part of Double P Media, doublepmedia.com. Should the Menorian kings be giving away state secrets to complete strangers? How does a paper scroll stay readable after soaking in water for hours? Will Malva actually be a good Harfoot leader? We'll explore these questions and more on today's Busting Blockbusters. Welcome to Bustin' Blockbusters. Today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 8, entitled Alloyed, appropriately so. There's a lot of allies, alloys in those rings, evidently. But it was written by Jennifer Hutchinson. Let me try that again. Written by Jennifer Hutchinson and J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay. And it was directed by the returning Wayne G. Yip. Yay, extraordinary job with this time around. I am once again joined by Priscilla, who already has her YouTube review of this episode out. Please go check it out. Be sure to subscribe to her channel. Don't worry if you don't understand the language she's speaking in. She does it in Portuguese. She has mostly Brazilian followers. However, those auto-translate things on those closed captions work really well. And I encourage you to check out the wonderful things that Priscilla has to say. Hi, Priscilla. How are you feeling after this finale? Well, um, I mean, it was very fun. I had a great time watching the finale. Uh, I think it answered the questions I knew it would answer and the questions I knew it would have answered. They have answered. So it was kind of expected. Not a much surprise, there are many surprises for me at least, but I mean, a series doesn't have to be surprising to be a good one. And I think overall, they did a good job establishing like the world no? in this first season. And uh, I hope they correct some things for the second season, but they really delivered a, like a, a good finale, I feel. Scylla knows more than you do. I found it emotionally compelling. Uh, naturally, uh, we should get into our ratings. But mm-hmm. uh, before we do that, because, you know, we had a huge disagreement last week about who Did Sauron we? was. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, you were ready to throw me across the room, if I recall, because I just insisted that it was Stranger on and not Halron. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I I like to say uh, for at least 50 percent of the episode, I was right. Yes. And and then in the finality of it all, you were correct overall. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, uh, you know, there's there's no victory laps to be made here one way or the other. Uh, We were both half wrong. We were both half wrong. No, that's the way it is. We were both half wrong. That's the way it is, Priscilla. We were both half wrong. Okay. Okay. You don't have a you don't have a bone of, of conflict within you, do you? You're just too nice a person. You gave no. up on that way too easily. Tell me. We were both uh, half right. Let's just say that. Let's keep positive. Yeah. Let's just say that together we made we made a, a complete right. No, wait Look, a minute. We can't do I, that I because think... in the end, 
You I was writing right. everything. No, I was writing everything, and you were right in half of it. Okay, there you go. You so that right. makes seventy-five percent. I don't know how much. No, that, you, that makes one hundred and fifty percent. We did better than the average, <laughs> folks. Uh, tell me your one hundred percent rating for this particular episode. Well, like I'm giving a nine point five double S. Double S. Yeah, salacious Sauron. Like. I was so surprised. Not that I was right. This I knew all along. Mm. But that Sauron, like, uh, he really never lied to Galadriel, which I uh, I agree with him. No, um, She created this whole idea in her own head no? because she was too eager to fight evil that she couldn't see the head, the red flags waving at her. Uh, but it, like in the end, he went in a very scandalous route of tempting Galadriel first by using the, the likeness of her dead brother, you know, inside her head, if I'm not, I'm not mistaken. No? I think yeah. it was kind of an illusion stuff. Uh, and this is already like a big no-no. No, without consent, one should not enter other people's heads. And then he went even further, like the salacious route, by tempting Galadriel to get together with him as his uh, queen. No, <laughs> even though Galadriel is married, and this is a big no-no for Tolkien in the Tolkien legendarium. You know. It's a big no-no. We don't get together with married people. And married people are married forever. Even if somebody dies, they are married, except for one elf. So I was very surprised to see that he is very open-minded about these things. But I also like, to be honest, I also think there is no romantic things, like feelings for Galadriel. He just wanted her like for power's sake. So yes. that's that. Yeah, it was just a, another way to uh, to take a dig at uh, all of the other uh, at the elves. I think mm-hmm. uh, yeah, more or less saying, "See, I got her on my side." Yeah, um, yeah I agree. I agree. I think I'm going to go nine point four, uh, and mm-hmm. I'm going to do it uh, double T's. Double T's. Yeah, tricky trios like Galadriel, mm-hmm. Elrond, and and Celebrimbor. Uh, making three rings is when uh, Halron thought that they were only going to make two for balance reasons. Uh, yes. Excellent. Uh, that the way they explained that uh, one is all controlling and two can be divided, but three is the perfect number. Um, mm-hmm. There's a for them. in there somewhere <laughs> for them. Uh, I, I was, in fact, correct that the evil trio would declare the stranger as Sauron forever known now as stranger on, uh, or, uh, strizzard at the end of the episode. Yes. But, uh, I can only say I was correct for half the episode in the thing, just as we discussed. Now, one thing that I really liked about this, and I think you brought it up already too, is that the showrunners did in fact do what they said they would do in the interview. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, more or less contain this story within one season. Now they kind of get a reset where they can uh, try these other things or try things better, mm-hmm. as you suggested. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I took away points for was uh, we didn't get any of the dwarf issues resolved. Mm-hmm. There's still Balrog down there. Uh, Doran is still 
disinherited from all we can tell. Not a single dwarf showed up in this episode, which is always a minus because I love dwarfs just mm-hmm. like you do. Uh, uh, another point uh, or half a point, uh, you know, came off because of the idea that they didn't really need to do the big red herring uh, with the stranger with stranger mm-hmm. on, you know, and make me believe that I was right for, you know, five, 10 minutes uh, before uh, Hal Brand started recovering miraculously. And I started going, now, wait a minute. Uh, so that, that was one of those things that I was just kind of like, as time went on, I was like, Oh, they did. Did they really have to do that? Um, and the mm-hmm. fact that once he realizes, once he grabs that stick and, and those evil people have been talking to him for a while, he knows how to speak the language of the Harfoots better than most of the Harfoots do mm-hmm. eloquent, but that was kind of a cool, cool thing too. Mm-hmm. Uh, because i my favorite quote from this particular episode was betimes our paths are laid before us by powers greater than our own. In those moments, it's our task to make our feet go where our hearts wish not to tread, no matter the perils awaiting us on the way. Uh, mm. And the fact that he might be a wizard, uh, that sounded very kind of, uh ian mckellen gandalfy to me from the yeah. jackson films i love that uh, mm-hmm. it was a fantastic and and i suppose the question that i want to pose to you before we get into uh breaking this episode down is would this whole adventure thing that these two are going to probably go on to ruin mm-hmm. and the fact that you know nori was the one who helped him in the first place and believed in him in the first place is this why Gandalf, if it is Gandalf, uh, would possibly, you know, turn to hobbits like Bilbo or whatever centuries later for help in the battle against Sauron? Okay, there are like two options here you can pick. And like, I think we spoke about it. And I, uh, I was saying that I thought they would go to this route of not, of not saying out loud his name. Uh, of not mm-hmm. revealing his identity, but just he hinting at it. Uh, so one uh, one option they can go is actually this is the origin story of Gandalf. This is how why he likes hobbits, and this is also the origin story of how the hobbits uh, came to be established, where they were, and why they are so averse to av- adventures and why they are the way they are when we see them in the third age with Bilbo and um, Frodo why Bilbo and Frodo are so different than the other hobbits no? so this can be this origin story the other option is that they are combining uh, and they are not going to see to say out loud until the end of the the series who this guy is really mm. uh, uh, because they are giving him kind of like the location where the blue wizards would have been in the second age so mm. the blue wizards were sent in the second age by the valor with glofindel by boat not by meteor uh to help um the the peoples of the east who were aligned in the in the first uh, era with Morgoth to help destabilize that area and turn a little bit this area to the light. No? Mm. And uh, Tolkien 
at first he said that they were not successful, that they um, opened up shop there and they became leaders of cults there. And towards the end, he said that they were actually successful in their mission, but he never explained very well. Uh, Gandalf also, there is like a window that of time that he could have been to Middle-earth in the Second Age. It's just like a sentence in a throwaway in the, in the Unfinished Tales, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Uh, when he is being tasked by, uh, to go to Middle-earth in the Third Age, he says he doesn't want to go, one, because he's afraid of Sauron, because Sauron is much more stronger than he is. Second, he says, I just came from a trip. Uh, I just came from a trip. I don't want to go travel again. Basically, that's what he mm. said. So maybe the showrunners are taking this throwaway line and say, okay, this is the trip that Gandalf said. No? Okay. So it can be both ways. He can be like a combined Blue Wizards Gandalf character, or he can be like the origin of, of why Gandalf likes Hobbits so much. But I think we can only be sure uh, second season if we have the Blue Wizards there. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, or maybe they are going to keep us guessing for a little uh, longer because he doesn't. He seems to have recovered much, much of his memories and his ability to, to speak, but he still doesn't know his name. He doesn't say it. So yeah. Well, he told he told Nori what was it? Fragments and images were coming back yeah. to him. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't define fragments as knowing a whole lot more about yourself than you did before, but that's well, just me. Um, he knows more. No. He definitely knows how to talk better. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure that uh, a lot of the things that uh, the evil trio was telling him, uh, you know, mm-hmm. evoked some memories within him. As yeah. Well, so. He's sure. probably got a lot more in his head now than he's he's letting on. Mm-hmm. But as we talk about these things, we want to know if our listeners think, is this Gandalf? Is it the Blue Wizards? Who do you think this character is going to be? I'd say he needs a change of clothes if he's going to become a, a combination of the Blue Wizards because that gray there just makes me think of Gandalf the gray right off the bat. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as he doesn't turn out to be a young uh, Saruman, then I'm cool. <laughs> but we want to know what you think. So please tweet to at Bust Blockbuster on Twitter. That's Bust Blockbuster on Twitter. You can send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com. M-A-T-T-S audioblog at gmail.com. You can leave comments on the website, which is mattsaudioblog.com. M-A-T-T-S audioblog.com. You can also leave comments on the double P youtube which is where our videos appear just type in youtube.com slash c slash the word double the letter p the word media for that you can also contact them by tweeting to at the word double the letters phq that stands for podcast podcast headquarters join their facebook page facebook.com slash the word double the letters phq you can check out their website as well which is back to the media name double p media.com the word double, the letter P, the word media.com. No musical analysis this time, folks. I know that some of you do not have a single inkling of caring about my opinions on a television show from a story standpoint, 
But I promise you, I'm going to gather all of the individual soundtracks that Bear released, a whole bunch of them he did, and I'm going to go through them, and I'm going to rewatch the show. And here, as soon as House of the Dragon is over, which is another show that I'm covering on another podcast, then I promise I will put out a full musical analysis for the season, which will include some wonderful music from this particular episode, including really neat versions of the Stranger theme, uh, a little bit of Sauron theme, uh, some wonderful versions of the Harfoot theme as well. Uh, lots to cover. So I didn't want to just try and cram it into a little segment in this particular podcast because we do have a lot of story to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I only have a limited amount of opportunity to talk to Priscilla about this. So I want to take full advantage of that. Priscilla, uh, you... Matt, uh, did you did you like the Fiona Apple song in the end? The ending song? Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of ish, iffy on it. Okay. Uh, not mm. sure how I feel about this. And maybe it was just because of the way the melody made me feel so uncomfortable. I'm sure that was mm -hmm. intentional. Uh, but it just yeah. felt it felt a little bit too overdramatic uh, for my taste. How about you? Mm -hmm. What did you think of it? Oh, I loved it. Okay. <laughs> it's very messy. It's very messy, yeah. you know, in the ways that Sauron was messy in this episode. Okay. All right. So, I get that. yeah. So, and I really like the choice of Fiona Apple. She's not someone that I would combine with fantasy much. Yeah. Well, she's very talented. So, uh, you know, she can make anything that Bear writes poorly sound at least halfway decent but that that's more of my criticism is is uh, -huh. just, uh, uh just kind of the the repetition of certain phrases and the holding out of certain notes it was more about uh not the performance but whatever mm -hmm. was she, however she was told to perform it that's the kind of the problem that i had with it more than anything else uh -huh. are you ready to get into the recap um yes okay as always uh, so we'll start at Numenor, uh, because yeah. it's, it's the shortest one, uh, mm -hmm. but, uh, we have, uh, the king dying basically. And the chancellor is hovering over, him, uh, like a vulture. And he proposes, uh, to some apprentices, uh, yes. that they are going to get a chance just like other great artists all across the country, all across the island are going to get chances to design, I don't know if it was a statue or his sarcophagus. A mausoleum, no? Yeah, a mausoleum, yeah. I think. Yeah. So uh, naturally, uh, Aarian is one of these candidates because her boyfriend is uh, somebody who likes burning boats and can probably bend his father's ear. Hey, get my girl in there. And she's probably just really talented on that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, as she gets uh, her time with the king to make a sketch so that she can do a design. They all only get an hour. Uh, he actually wakes her. He wakes up and grabs her uh -huh. arm very, very suddenly. Kind of scary. I jumped out of my seat just slightly. Uh, and uh, I guess he's thinking that she, that Arian is Muriel, his daughter, uh -huh. the queen regent. And uh, he keeps telling her that they must restore their old ways on the island or the island will fail. Then he just gives away all the state secrets. He opens up the secret vault. He lets her go up the stairs, tells her, go take a look around. Somehow she knows exactly to go straight to the Palantir. 
uh, even though we don't see what she sees, we can suspect because we've already seen it, uh, what mm-hmm. she sees. Uh, and that's all that we get of that. Dun, dun, dun. As the ships are approaching Numenor, Elendil and Muriel, they have a talk about uh, down in the cabin. She's trying to learn her steps. He's trying to help her a little bit. Then it, it evolves into a, a, a talk about cost and loss. But surprisingly, because this is where Elendil uh, really surprised me as compared to last episode, uh, he says that because of their loss is why they have to continue to fight. Now, I'm trying to juxtapose that with the scene we saw last week where he was weeping. And I guess maybe he was deciding right then that that was what, you know, the only thing that would make the loss of his son, who we never heard anything else about uh, this this episode either, uh, which kind of surprised me. But anyway, now it kind of makes more sense to me because that scene at uh, on the hill made zero sense to me but now it has a little bit of context that we see a lindell is uh going to pledge to fight no matter what and then when they go on deck as they're arriving in new in at numenor um you see this dramatic you hear this dramatic music and and muriel keeps asking a what he sees which you know he had been helping her all the way across the deck and then he goes forward and all of a sudden now she can find him um Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> seemed uh, a little weird but i guess she just kept walking forward uh, but she didn't bump into him and she asks him what he sees and we see the the scene panorama and obviously the king has died black sails are now on all of the ships there's all kinds of mourning uh going on as you can tell mm-hmm. so that's the entirety of the numenor storyline uh for this particular episode what thoughts do you have if any I think it's a, uh, it's one of the things that they are doing well. There are things that they are not doing that well, but others they are, is to keep you guessing about the character, about some characters. So I, like last time we see, we saw uh, Arian. I thought she was like ready to take the plunge into the evil family. Uh, this time around, uh, I saw her more, I think sympathetic. Though I have to say the whole thing about Farazon like taking this uh, apprentice to the like the room where the king is dying uh, and tell them, okay, you have one hour to observe this dying king to uh, so you can win a competition. That sounded like a little bit whoa, rude to. <laughs> But uh, it's not like the king has any say in that, no. So uh, I cannot comment on that. But uh, in that scene, we also saw um, like the, the first real mention to what made the Numenorians turn away from the elves, like the fear of mortality. Because the way Farazon describes that not even a king can ex- can escape this, and the way he delivers is very like uh, you can see that it's a problem. And yeah. um, we were waiting the whole season for this to get explored because it was 
clear that the whole elves can steal our jobs. It was more like uh, it was not something he personally believed that he was just saying that to the plebs. No, it's just like a uh, something to manipulate the other people. But this is the real question. This is the the real Achilles' heel of the Numenorians is that they are mortal men, and I, I was glad to see that they are going to develop that. Um, that they didn't end the season without at least addressing it. So it was good. Uh, and Palantir, he's out of his mind. I don't know why he woke up, and I don't know. I have no idea why he fought. Uh, the intern, the apprentice, would be his um, daughter. Why he would open for uh, like the access for her to go to the Palantir to see, but we can only imagine that she sees the destruction of Numenor, which is what you can see in that Palantir. But we don't know, and I don't understand why they kept that in suspense for uh, another two years. I would, you know, I would just have um, cut to when Palantir says, no, you should go inside, and that's it. But, like, they, they make us see her go inside and looking at the Palantir, and then they don't deliver uh, what she saw. So either stop at his command or show us what she saw there, because uh, this is a character, uh, she's a... I wouldn't say underdeveloped, but she's still like she keeps uh, she. I keep guessing about her motivations and about her feelings all the time. So, this was a big inter uh, no, interrogation mark in the end. Mm. So, a big question mark in the end, which okay. I didn't like necessarily. Yeah, uh, it's one of the things that they didn't really finish off. But yeah, at, at, at the same time. I'll just say this. This is what I was led to believe by what I saw on the show. You know how, and it, there's something very similar here to this last week's episode of House of the Dragon, which I won't spoil here, but I'll just say that there are a lot of similarities in terms of who thinks who's talking to who, mm -hmm. and uh, a last wind that a person, uh, you hear about this all the time, a last wind that a person gets uh, before mm -hmm. they pass away, a last good day or something. And we mm -hmm. just happened, you know, Arian just, Arian just happened upon uh, Palantir's good day. Uh, mm -hmm. But I'm betting he wasn't there. I don't even know if he made it till the time she got back down the steps. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, because those are the kinds of things that happened and he would have just exhausted himself and go out. Yeah. Um, okay. And, and I am taking it on faith from what we've seen from the fact that Muriel said, I saw this and uh, Galadriel then sees it. Mm -hmm. And they're just different people that Arian saw the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so to kind of shorthand it, they and to, okay. you know, to save time in the episode for other mm -hmm. things that needed addressed, they just kind of shorthanded it. Yeah. Um, I also have to say that, uh, I'm getting some romantic feelings between Ellen and Miriel. Like they seem to get to have gotten very attached to each other by the tragedies they face. And I'm here for it. I like it. I like it. And I think like she, uh, he is supposed to become even more important in her life in the second season. 
and hers in his. So I'm here for it because I like it. Yeah, I'm I'm for that too. Uh, and I felt the exact same thing you did, especially in those last couple of moments where they were both pledging about, you know, it seemed like they had bonded to a point that was beyond a queen mm-hmm. and her soldier. You know, it was it was much more of a human exchange mm-hmm. uh, and and it did it did feel uh, beyond just mutual respect. But it went it went to a step of caring for each other. Uh, not you know not an expression of romantic love yet but you kind of got that you kind of get those vibes that it was coming that way yeah it's something like it can be tur- it can turn romantic eventually yeah so far they are like more than friends yes yeah they, they are they are uh definitely more than their professional relationships mm-hmm. uh yeah. and uh and uh, it seems to be the bonding of at least a very a very strong friendship uh, maybe that even counts to the reluctance of him being able to tell her what he was seeing on the on the deck right up front because mm-hmm. he didn't want to upset her any further. Yeah. Um, of course, it also makes for a nice dramatic shot as we turn around and see what's going on, too. <laughs> so it all works out really good. It all works out. Anything else on Numenor there? No. All right. Well, then let's move on to uh, Stranger On. And the Harfoots, uh, Stranger on the Sauron. The opening scene: the stranger gets assigned a name by the trio of baddies, and we come by saying, "We come to serve you, Lord Sauron." Dun dun dun. Matt's raising his hands; he's jumping up and down. See, I was right. Um, and then uh, one of the trio—I I think they called the aesthetic. Uh, aesthetic, yeah. Yeah, they were listed that way in the credits. Uh, and, and tells the. Uh, Tell Stranger on uh, not to be afraid. Uh, they have this constellation that he's been carrying around on a piece of paper on a relic, uh, and they want to take him east to Rune. So it all starts to seem to be checking out, and Matt's jumping up and down even more. So he told you so, <laughs> told you, Priscilla, told you so. Uh, and then uh, Sadak and the other Harfoots are watching, and Goldie lures the two guardian Stranger Ron's uh are the two guardians of stranger on away with the little pipe sound while nori and sadek try to untie him turns out it was all a ploy because we saw one of them morphing as nori before and that same one is now morphing as the stranger himself uh and uh in the process sadek gets thrown a knife gets thrown at him and conveniently lands right where it will do permanent damage uh to him and then you find out as I start to slink down in my couch and, and my head starts to drop that maybe the stranger isn't evil because he battles the evils uh, while the Harfoots try to get away. There's all kinds of peril in here. Peril for Poppy. That's a double P. Uh, she gets caught by a, a blade uh, just above her shoulder. I can't tell if it just did her clothes or if it actually got in her shoulder, uh, but she seems to be okay. Uh, Sadak still ain't dead yet, though, and so he helps to save uh, Poppy in that manner. Uh, the evils have once again secured the stranger again, uh, but then Poppy and Goldie start throwing rocks. You never want to, you know, make evil people mad, especially when they control fire, because now uh, Smokey the Bear is really upset that the evils are not obeying the rules of good forced fire prevention. Uh, 
they just start spraying everything. Trees are on fire and everything. But now the stranger is able to get a hold of that staff that the one, I don't know if it was a leader or at least the main magic wielder, had, had been wielding the whole time. Uh, Nori gets it to him and uh, she tells him, you're good now. And that's when Matt just goes, oh, crap, Priscilla's going to give me so much trouble. And then he uh, banishes them back to the shadow uh, from which they came, uh, which, again, sounds very Gandalf to me when he was speaking to the Balrog in, uh, I guess that was uh, Return of, no, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, Peter Jackson's version of the story. And uh, so they go. They kind of disintegrate. Um, For some reason, there's a moth in there. Didn't quite understand that. Is that what they were created from? Not sure. Uh, But uh, Sauron has been declared, or they declare as they're disintegrating away, or right before they disintegrate away, that he's not Sauron, but he is the Eastar. And uh, that's not good for them. after it's all over, uh, Sadek says, okay, did my duty. Uh, and I've only got a one season contract with this show. So it's time for <laughs> me to die. And uh, Sadek uh, gets to have a really nice sunset surrounded by friends uh, as he uh, says goodbye. Very sad. But they travel back to the clan and the stranger uh, who now again as i mentioned seems to be able to talk better than anybody else in that whole camp uh he's really mastered the language if nothing else he's a wizard for that uh but he tells nori he's got to leave for rune that's where he'll only find the answer she tells him well if they lied about who you are or they didn't know who you were maybe they don't know anything he says no there's there's too much evidence i know things now i'm a wizard uh you must listen to what i have to say in terms of being truthful or not he doesn't really say that, but that's kind of the impression that I got because now I don't like this guy anymore because he's not Sauron. Anyway, <laughs> he also invites her on an adventure uh, to go with her, uh, which I loved. I quoted that phrase earlier. That's the way he first initially invites her. Uh, and then she smartly and quite efficiently just says, you used all those words to describe an adventure. Yeah, because, you know, he know he's just showing off that he knows words now. That's what I thought. Anyway, she uh, that she says, well, she didn't know if she can go. And then when she goes down to her group, uh, her dad and her stepmom and her sister have a bag ready for her to go. They know that she's going to go. They know that she should go. And she finally decides that she will go. And then she has to say goodbye to Poppy. The first time it doesn't go so well, Poppy has can't handle it emotionally and has to leave i felt terrible for poppy because then when Mm -hmm. nori's about to really leave then poppy comes back and they say a proper goodbye and i just felt horrible for poor poppy it's like it's like everybody who matters in her life uh she loses uh that was such a a heart-wrenching thing for me uh Mm -hmm. and i love the parallels of nori to frodo uh poppy to samwell you know, uh, uh-huh. it's just uh, it was a beautiful thing. But, uh, you know, Nori says she'll promises that she'll come back. But Poppy's got to make sure that, you know, there's something to come back to. 
And then off the Harfoot and the wizard go, uh, following their nose, because, you know, wizards know these things. Just follow your nose. That's where, that's where the sweet smell is. That's where we're headed. There is the hobbits, pardon me, the Harfoots and Strangeron, uh, the artist formerly known as Strangeron, now known as the wizard. What are your thoughts here? Uh, besides rubbing it in. I have to give to you, Matt, that the Harfoots were um, one of the best part, parts of the season. Mm. You said they would be. And I was a little bit skeptical because they looked very strange and very out of place. But it's true. They were they were very, like, um, at times it was surprising their storyline, especially when they revealed that they, like, leaving people behind is something that they do, that the decaravanning is something that they do. Um, but you come to care about these people. Like, uh, I... Personally, I think the whole thing about the stranger, they stretch it, stretch it too much. Yeah, we could have done with like less of it. Mm. Uh, but like this episode um, with the mystics and finally then revealing what they were, that they, they were looking for him on wrong suspicions that he would be sorrow. Uh, it was uh, very funny. It was the funniest part of the episode for me because we have a second time somebody confusing someone uh, to be sorrow, thinking, okay, you are sorrow, trying to uh, be one with sorrow and then realizing, oh, I had the, the, the wrong guy. And that's exactly what happened here. Uh, they were victims of their own hopes, no? the mystics. And they pay the price for hoping for Sauron. So Sauron, as we learned in the series, uh, is never where you want him to be. And uh, he was not there. And we already said we already spoke a little bit about uh, who we think is the stranger. It's possibly Gandalf. It's possibly maybe a combination of Gandalf and the Blue Wizards. We don't know yet. But what we know is that they are hinting very hard at his Gandalf because they end with uh, him saying that when you don't know, you should follow your nose, which is something that Gandalf said in the trilogy. No? Okay. So yeah. uh, maybe that's what the modus operandi will be. Like they don't say out loud, but they keep hinting and then uh, you draw your own conclusions uh i like that poppy uh and naughty they got uh an emotional send-off they're best friends they have been best friends forever and poppy is alone in the world mm -hmm. but once again i think they stretch it too much uh, the whole goodbye scene uh, but this is like minimal criticism, you know, it, it, it didn't take away my enjoyment. It, it was just like, I felt that the, a couple of five minutes away from that uh, storyline, you could have uh, perhaps ended with a, a little bit more certainty about Isildur being alive or perhaps. Um, or even just seeing Adar. Yeah, or even seeing Adar or just one scene with the with the dwarves with during the fur dying. You uh -huh. know, you, you could you could have done like 
three minutes of during the fur dying and two minutes with Isildur and uh, a scene of Isildur and Adar, like just around. But anyway, I'm not I'm not a showrunner. Um, it's just a criticism that it, it's just my opinion. I think that those are valid opinions to have. Uh, I think that this is a much more important thing to have a valid opinion about. How did Malva become the leader of the Harfoots? I yes. mean, by default, I, I know that Sadek said she's always right. Well, we've seen that proven wrong time and time yes. again. It just shows, I guess, that Sadek is wrong often, too. Uh, but when you can't even turn a map around the right side up, what's going on there? We need we need Poppy as the leader of that troop. Is that what you think they were implying there? Uh, that, you know, at least she needs to be their trail finder. Uh, it would seem yeah. because even yeah. Malva admits that. And Poppy's got this kind of smirk on her face, like, yeah, I'd do that. Yeah, I think they, they have a lead there in the three of find that they are going to share these roles going forward, which is a good compromise. Uh, uh, you know, Malva is already old, Poppy is not. And so maybe a training for Poppy being the replacement. Yeah, Poppy gets the leadership internship. Uh, yeah. She gets to uh, practice all of the songs, the silly songs and dances that they do, saying "Nobody left behind." Uh, don't go, but don't go off trail, or we'll leave you no. behind. And yeah, nobody, um, no, nobody goes alone. No, nobody goes alone. Nobody goes off trail. <laughs> uh, here's a silly costume to put on uh, so that you yeah. can do that. Overall, I think the Harfoot season was great. I had hoped that they would be kind of the emotional heartbeat of the story. And there's been plenty of great moments with other characters, too. Don't get me wrong or anything. Yeah, but you can true. always go back to this for a little bit of humor, for a little bit of heartwarming. Uh, and uh, I thought that they were used well throughout the course of the season. Uh, I feel like that um, I needed that double goodbye from Poppy actually because uh it showed oh, okay. her two sides it showed the fact that she feared this so much that she couldn't face it and then finally mm -hmm. you know the emotion of it being her best friend she had to face it and say goodbye um, yeah so i thought that that's and the whole thing about at the end with poppy i i feel like they really developed poppy's character a lot um mm -hmm. yeah the question that i have is what to what purpose because we're going to need to follow nori and uh formerly known as stranger on so if we need to follow them do we need to follow the rest of the harfoot clan or was this an ending for them oh yeah that's like a good question that's a good question maybe like they skip a season yeah it could be like that maybe they focus the next season on naughty and the stranger and then they skip to yeah. where when Naughty is returning to them because Naughty promised that she would return. So she did promise that she would return. Yeah, yes, she did. Uh, I don't. I still don't know if I trust Harfoots enough to keep their word. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Fair enough. What's worse? Well, uh, that seems like a good breaking point. Why don't we get into our first round of what's worse questions, ladies and gentlemen? This is kind of like high school debate team where we get together and we formulate uh, kind of silly questions, questions that have to be argued one side or the other. I am going to start. What's worse, Priscilla? 
dying for a kid's crazy quest to save a stranger or dying because you got the identity of a god wrong? I think it's worse uh, uh, dying because you got the identity of a god wrong. I mean, this is so, so it's the stakes are so high here. No, you are betting your life and possibly the life of your friends and families uh, on this quest to find this God so you can uh, put your support like in this dog and this God's like uh, mission. It's to make Middle Earth a good, a uh, better place, no? but a better place for bad people, obviously. And you do everything right. You see the meteor, you follow the meteor, you have your staff with you, you have the proof that uh, the, the the evil, the Dark Lord has to come with you because uh, you show the constellation. You have everything figured out. And when you finally met the guy, you thought it would be the Dark Lord that you could follow. It turns out this guy is actually a good guy. And this, like, even if they haven't been killed for this mistake, their hearts, their evil hearts will be broken by this mistake. So I think it's worse. Yeah. Well, I will admit that uh, their death uh, seemed a lot more painful uh, than Sadek's. I will say that. But I will have to argue the other side and tell you that, I mean, here's a guy. All his life, all his entire life, all what has he said? Never go off trail. Never go alone. He wasn't alone, so he's followed that advice, but you never go off trail. And what does he do? He goes off trail and he learns just how valuable his advice was. You never do that. And all because this stupid kid who's new not too nice to strangers, somebody who could be some kind of criminal for all we know. In fact, we do know for the first half of the episode that he is Sauron. And so we know uh, that this crazy kid has believed in the wrong person uh, from the exact opposite side of the fact that the, the ancients believed in the wrong person. Uh, so it's all about a mis mistaken identity until it's revealed later. But you did all of that. You're even trying to save this guy that this crazy kid, this Nori, wants you to save. And you end up getting a, a knife thrown right at the exact spot that's just going to make you just die. But not right away. No, not right away. You have to be able to save a few more of those freaks who tried to save this stranger you have to be you you're the one who has to do the duty of of actually saving their lives so that they might get back on trail even though they're off trail too they should die just like you do but no no you're the one who has to die and all they can do is just give you a sunrise i mean come on i can get a sunrise any day of the week this is what i get this is what I get for all of my heroics, for breaking mm -hmm. my rules. I get a sunrise. Wow. You know, I can't even, I'm, I'm, I'm at the point. Nobody's looking at me. Nobody's holding my hand. Nobody's taking care of me. Thinking of me, the sunrise suddenly becomes more important than I am. And I'm the one who's dying. This is why going, dying, saving a crazy kid's silly mistake of an ambition uh, is worse. That's what I wow. You're so mean. I am terribly <laughs> mean.
Oh, yeah. Uh, I will ask you now what's worse. Can uh, I go ahead? Uh, I think I'm over my rant. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so what's worse, Matt? Confusing an intern with your daughter or handing the access to all your kingdom secrets to an intern? Well, regardless of whether it's an intern or not, handing over the state secrets is definitely worse. Uh, you just don't mm. do that. You just don't do that. Your treason. It's it's like it's like self hate. We need to be healthier people. We need we need to respect our ourselves more. He's like you know he's like this is information that he's kept bottled up for years and 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 the only person who even knew about it was his daughter probably just because she you know as a kid stumbled up there and, and uh, started asking daddy things like what's that daddy what's that and then or, finally or maybe when she got he confused age, his daughter with somebody <laughs> <laughs> but anyway he tell he tells her you know you know he's he's like okay uh, I'm a little confused here I I. You know, I don't have much oxygen left coming through my system. I can't exactly see who you are, but I assume that everybody else hates me. So you could you my daughter would be the only person visiting me while you're drawing me. I don't have any idea. I don't care. Put that down. It's time for me to tell you all the secrets of the state. Oh, wait a minute. Who are you? Oh, well, here's the secret stairway anyway. Um, and uh, who cares whether this would be something that the one person who might go and tell Ferris on what she saw. And he's going to be like, uh, you know, he's the enemy here. He's the one that's hovering over me like a vulture. And I'm just going to go ahead and possibly give those state secrets to him too, because she's going to go tell her boyfriend and her boyfriend's going to go tell his dad. And that's it. You know, I, mm -hmm. it's, it's over. It's over. Nobody's going to, that information is going to get shut down and the Island's going to be part of the great wave. Uh, look what you did King. Look what you did. King Palantir. Uh, look what you did. So that's my argument. What's your argument? Oh, I, I have to argue, right? Um, you do have to argue uh, the other one. Yeah, I was so mesmerized by your great argument, Matt. But I, I need to argue the opposite. So, I mean, from a personal standpoint, you should not confuse your daughter with anybody. Your daughter, your only daughter. You know, the one person in the world you care about most. Like this baby you saw growing up and now becoming Queen Regent. But yeah, yeah, you confuse her with a, a terrible intern that was brought to your quarters by your terrible nephew. Who is just staying there, like drawing you while you lay dying? So the whole situation is very bizarre. And you should not be confusing this intern that's actually like someone you've never seen before with the daughter you raised and loved for decades. Even if you are dying and if you are senile and if you are crazy in your head, possibly due to drugs, we don't know what they are doing to this man. No, but here. But like you mentioned that uh, you know, like people that are dying, they usually have a good day. If this is his good day, <laughs> I don't know what a bad day is, Matt. <laughs> it's an excellent point. You got me giggling. Now I'm gonna start coughing. Uh so folks, uh 
because she made six excellent points. We need to put this on the poll. There's no way for us to resolve this. We're obviously on opposite <laughs> sides for both questions. So we will put it on the poll at Bust Blockbuster on Twitter, at Bust Blockbuster on Twitter. Look for those polls on the Twitter profile. And uh, sometimes because I do retweeting and all that stuff, you may have to scroll through a, a little ways down on the profile. But follow us. Then you'll see those polls as soon as they come up, as this podcast comes out. And then you can vote on them right away. Share those polls with your friends, too. Do those retweet things and all of that that helps us uh, get more noticeable uh, so that we can get more listeners so that Bubba won't threaten to fire us because we haven't gotten enough new, new subscribers for his channel. Oh, oh, sorry. And we should apologize to Bubba for not being as famous as he is. I mean, nobody's as famous as Bubba, at least not yeah, in his own mind. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't understand why he demands us to be as famous as this. He's like a star. Yeah. We are just like, we are just starting. Yeah. He needs to, to give us time. Well, much like King Palantiri, I'll be here to divulge state secrets uh, of the Double P Media Network all of the time. Are you ready for the second half of our recap, Priscilla? Yes. Let's oh. go. All right. Let's this go where the meat is. So we're going to Arigan, uh, Arigion, Arigion, okay, Arigion, Arigion. I'll, I'll never be able to say that. Uh, I'll never be able to say this name either. But Kelly Brimbor thinks that there may be a way to use limited mithril for greater power. But their conversation is interrupted when Galadriel, who's actually been doing the whole Arwen thing with Frodo on horseback for six days and six nights, um, and that's her being Arwen and uh, Halron being uh, Frodo. Frodo. Mm -hmm. yeah. But uh, as they try to uh, heal Halbrand, she brings it in. She interrupts the whole conversation between Celebrimbor and Elrond. Rude, rude Galadriel just riding in on a horse, two horses. Uh, in the middle of an important conversation. But nonetheless, they try to heal Palbrand. And Elrond has questions for Galadriel. Questions that we needed uh, somebody to ask Galadriel. Like, uh, how are you even here? Weren't you on a boat to go mm -hmm. away? And uh, Galadriel answers them. And they're still mm -hmm. friends. Uh, but I wish they would get rid of all of this metaphor stuff that they're talking about. It's like a metaphor mode, a double M. That They just keep having these talks. There was a maybe... She was talking to Theo in that way so much last week that she's just forgotten. You know, Halbrand hasn't been awake evidently for a while uh, in order to have much of a conversation during the journey. So uh, maybe she just hasn't quite been able to shut off her, her metaphoric mode again, a double M uh, quite yet. So, uh, you know, swimming and drowning, lots of swimming and drowning in this particular episode, particularly as we'll see later on in this recap. But uh, Halbrand, uh, somehow, uh, does manage to recover, uh, maybe a little bit too quickly. And he introduces himself to Calabrimbor, uh, and, uh, Halbrand gets to get a tour of Calabrimbor's stuff. And he likes pointing at jewels and picking up rocks and, and picking up mithril, uh, and, uh, makes Calabrimbor a little bit uncomfortable, mm. but then he suggests uh, Halibrand suggests uh, finding an ore that might amplify the mithril mm -hmm. rather than uh, de-amplify it or, or make it weaker. 
And uh, Celebron goes, or Celebrimbor goes, hey, that's a very good idea. I'm going to start calling him Celebrimbor, uh, Celebron, uh, simply because he's aiding in Sauron's plan now. Uh, but uh, anyway, Matt, you, you revealed the, the biggest reveal already. What, that it was a gift? <laughs> it's a sorrow. <laughs> You're absolutely right. But anyway, Elrond and Celebrimbor and Galadriel, they, uh, uh, you know, use this idea of Halbrands and they approach uh, Gil-galad, who the double G, uh, and, and they tell him that, you know, we're thinking maybe we can make a crown out of this mithril thing uh, and, and placing it on him might save the elven race. I don't get any of that. Um, doesn't want that it, it made no sense uh double g says it's too late the leaves have fall, are starting to fall off the tree much too fast and soon they'll all be falling just like the leaves Celebrimbor starts to speak of this you know this might use the power of the unseen world and alarm bells start going off in galadriel's head uh, she's seen this before in a fortress a long way away mm-hmm uh double g says sorry uh nope here's your evacuation notice break the cap break the cap down get on a boat uh we're going home before we all die uh galadriel asks Celebrimbor uh where he got the idea uh, and uh, when Celebrimbor points out mm-hmm. halbrand she starts asking other questions and elrond uh uses gilgalad's own words uh, as Celebrimbor is about to give up and, and break camp, uh, Elrond says, no, 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 no. Or he tells Gil-galad, I suppose, mm-hmm. uh, you know, no, 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 no. You're, you've got, you've got to, you got to stick this out, buddy. Uh, you were the one who gave me the, the win-win for the Gipper speech about hope back in episode two or one. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember which now, but, uh, so I'm going to use those words right back against you. Uh, give us a chance, man. Give us a chance. And Gilgalad uh, doesn't really commit to it, but I suppose he's he's allowing them to do it. He says mm-hmm. they got uh, uh, what three weeks, three months. I guess I think it's kel- three months. He says that they have. Uh, Galadriel uh, is starting to really watch uh, Halbrand suspiciously, uh, and as Halbrand is suddenly uh, becoming Celebrimbor's lead smithy. Mm-hmm. And Galadriel makes a secret library request. She goes to the librarian and says, I know we're supposed to be quiet here, but I want you to be really quiet about this. If you be really quiet, then I'm sure that we will f- fulfill the role of a library. I want you to look up the king. I want you to look up the line of kings of the Southland. Now, Halbrand uh, starts to interrupt it, or right after that guy goes off, Halbrand comes up and says, hey, Galadriel, thanks. You're making me see to believe in myself uh, because you believed in me. I'm feeling much better, uh, even though Galadriel is now investigating him. Later, Celebrimbor is basically blowing everything up, including the forge itself, trying to bond Mithril with any other ore. Just doesn't work, folks. Just doesn't work. Halbrand comes up with another good idea. Hmm. Making Galadriel even more suspicious when her ordered package arrives, Amazon delivers the ancient book that she needed to see. It's a paper scroll, and she reads it. And of course, he's not a line from a line of kings that he's that his sigil would indicate. 
And she tells him, you're not a king. You're not from the line of kings. And he says, he's been around a long time and has had many names. She realizes he's Sauron. She tries to kill him and he stops her easily and then throws her into some kind of vision. Uh, I don't know if he's actually in her head. Uh, she claims that he is. Uh, but anyway, uh, she suddenly thinks that or her reality is that she is in Valinor and that her brother Finrod uh, is there. And uh, naturally, uh, just like he told her the first time around, you got to embrace the dark, baby. You got to embrace the dark. <laughs> and uh, you know, this time around, uh, she realizes that's no good. Uh, she walks away. Uh, that doesn't do any good. Halron just shifts the scene uh, instantly, and they're on the raft. Um, he tries tries to tell her that he's changed, uh, that he, he shows her how uh, all of these things that he told, had told her about his past and whatever were true, but she just wanted to twist them into the way that she wanted to. Uh, and then he says, um, you know what? We can make this better why don't you just become my queen and, and everything will be all right. You can, you can be the one who makes sure that I'm, a, I'm a good guy, even though I am a good guy. Uh, you can be the one who makes sure she refuses. Um, and he has a tirade much like my tirades, uh, on, uh, Sadak. But, uh, she has, uh, she is now, uh, back to the spot where she was, tied to the raft that ended up starting to sink when Halbrand first saved her, uh, except this time he doesn't. And uh, Galadriel drowns this time, uh, except she doesn't because it's all in her head. Uh, that's when Elrond wakes her up. Uh, she cannot tell him uh, why she was in the pond. She cannot tell him anything, uh, but she does want to know who the heck he is because she thinks he's still, he's still Sauron. Uh, he does a, a little bit of talking to prove who he is. Uh, and then she asks about Celebrimbor. And Elrond tells her that he's almost finished with the rings. Uh-oh, that's not good. Uh, so she goes running back to the forge in time to tell Celebrimbor that Halron will not return uh, when they ask where Halbrand is. And they uh, that they must make three rings not two not one it sounds kind of like lebron uh james talking about the championships at miami not one not two but three rings she has to give up her dagger for the extra alloys that Celebrimbor says that he'll need if he's going to make three rings it's like we need more ore we need more precious ore and nothing could be more precious than something that is from valinor and something that is precious to Galadriel herself. So she makes her sacrifice in order to make these rings. Um, and uh, she, you know, she's quite sad about it. She gives, gives it a nice little vigil as she watches it burn up before the doors close. And the rings are created. Uh, but as they're created, Elrond uh, is pacing nervously because he doesn't like the situation. You know, Galadriel pulled a knife on him earlier. Why would she do that? Uh, so he goes down to the pond where he found Galadriel and just so happens that the scroll um, is easily accessible, evidently easily readable because it registers on Elrond's face what he's reading. Then 
we go back to the double S. Double S? Yeah, the Sauron scene uh, <laughs> of the crime. Uh, and uh, he discovers that Halbrand, uh, you know, was not the king of the Southlands. Anyway, uh, the rings are finished and everybody gazes at them like, you know, like people who are taking a tour of the the British Museum. Uh, all the while that Halron is saying hello to his new home, Mordor. Woo. Lots of stuff to unpack here. Where do you want to start? Yeah. I've, the place I want to start is, uh, what did they coat those scrolls with that make them water resistant? That's what I well, want. Well, I don't want to start there. Um, I I will, however, say that this part of the of the conclusion of the final, both is very aligned with uh, the legendarium and not so so the part that is very aligned to the legendarium uh surprisingly is about sauron's path after morgoth is defeated like uh, he speaks a little bit about with galadriel he, he says that uh he felt as if a fist uh, I, I i don't remember the exact expression but he felt a sudden change in him after morgoth was defeated he even says that he uh, for a brief period, he felt the the one, he felt the light of Eru Iluvita. Uh, so this is important uh, and uh, because it refers to uh, Sauron being repentant. This is like, according to what Tolkien wrote, Sauron, he, won, when they defeated Morgoth, he actually sought a pardon from the Valor. But he was told he would have to go to Valinor to be judged. And he didn't go to Valinor. Uh, he started having doubts, so he hang, hang, he keeps hanging around Middle-earth for like centuries, licking his wounds and not knowing what he will do, more or less, until he surfaces in Mordor, until he starts uh, using his fair form to enter the elvish realms and try to influence them, until he can, uh, you know, return to uh, the command of the orcs and what's not. So what the series is doing, like uh, they place Adar more or less in the uh, in the role of a Saruman like. So it's not someone that is uh, aligned with Sauron, but someone who has objectives that are more or less Sauron no? like, mm-hmm. like a co- uh, like somebody who is uh, trying to become also a dark lord. So like Ada is trying to become his own dark lord and oh. he says that he killed Sauron but you cannot kill Sauron you can kill his physical form but not his spirit so when we there is no big plan of Sauron without Galadriel so this is like 
really the legendarium here. He is repentant, but not really. He doesn't know what he does. He's like uh, centuries in Middle Earth. So what happened? He loses everything in Middle Earth to other. He loses the orcs. He, lo he loses like he cannot research anything anymore. He loses his body because other killed him. So he has this other form. So it's possible that he is on a boat there trying to go to Vadenon because he lost everything, trying to beg the Valor for his life. So it's mm. possible. But the Valor uh, has closed the paths to Valinor, to men and to those who are not invited. And Sauron is not invited. So this might very well be the cause of the... Of the shipwreck. The, the shipwreck. Yeah, the uh, they were too to close. Okay. They were too close to Valinor for any human beings to be. And when this happens, you know, Umu, which is the valor of the seas, he uh, he makes sure that nobody is going there. So when Galadriel decides to jump ship, what she's doing is like presenting Sauron with an alternative. Uh, and that's what he says to her. So they go to Númenor. He arrives in Númenor and he realizes, okay, uh, I may not go to Valinor, but here it's like uh, it's midway uh, between Middle Earth where I lost everything and Valinor where I cannot go. So I stay here. I stay here and he already uh, he already had plans for Númenor. You can see no. Uh, uh, because he has the the ear of Farazon, he's already got the guild, so he was like he's trying to do his thing there in Numenor. Galadriel once again comes to him. Oh, you have to go to Middle Earth with me. It's all Galadriel's fault. No, like she doesn't know. But like Sauron, in his, in his mind, he's trying to forge another path. Galadriel, well, yeah, is but that's how him. Sauron can say it's all her fault. Exactly. And then when he finally goes there, as he reminds her, like they fought together because they were fighting a common enemy, which is Ada, the guy who got his Wants his throne. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So then only when he sees what happens with the uh, Mount Doom, which in the legendary, he is the one who causes, like, his presence causes constant eruptions there. He injures himself in a way that only elvish medicine can be healed, can heal. So he, that is the moment where he starts being sour again. When he sees Maldum erupting, when he sees that he can get away with Galadriel to influence the elves. And that's what he does. So that's where he plans to start. His, his plan didn't start when they were lost in the sea. It's just in Middle-earth. Okay. And and he is right. He, he never lied to her. He kept telling her that he didn't want to. Uh, but she's also right because he was living under false uh, pretenses. And he says, no, but you said whatever I did in my past, it's okay if I have a, got a future. But obviously, he's not in love with Galadriel. It's all a power play. She provided, as Gil-galad imagined, that the, instead of fighting the evil, she would uh, provide like a window for evil to come forward. That's what happens. And this is what, like, 
I think the second episode, this was clear that it was going to happen, that Galadriel was fighting too hard. She was completely right. Sauron has had returned. Uh, but her methods were not really uh, like uh, getting results. They were getting the opposite results. And Gil-Galad had noticed that. Aaron had noticed that. Everybody had noticed. But her, she noticed just too late when mom doom exploded and there like the part where it doesn't go with the lore the legendary is how the the rings are forged um the whole mithril thing is uh, completely out right. of question you know? but when are we going to see the lesser rings being forged? We don't know because the lesser rings are forged before than the three. Like Elimbrabor forged the three rings like on the, on the nose to Sauron. After right. Sauron leaves that uh, area, after he had that already done the influencing. So um, I'm curious to see how they're going to do it because the showrunners are already saying that they are going to put the Anatar plot in the second season. So Halbrand is going to return there, but under another like appearance. Could it possibly be in that angel-like form that is also we described don't know. in the books? Yeah, we don't know. Uh, but it seems that they are like, um, there was an easier way to do things. Mm-hmm. They chose a not so easier way, so I'm very interested in see because they are saying that they are going to be more uh, faithful now to the legendary. Now that they had this whole thing of establishing the world, world building, establishing the characters behind them, that as you said, it's going to be a reset, reset for the second season. So, uh, but um, it's very confusing. It's very satisfying because they managed to put it off. I didn't like this story about Sauron being Halbrand. I would have preferred Halbrand to be Halbrand, you know. However, the way they did it and the way they made the review happen, uh, it was very satisfying. It was very good. And it made me um, enjoy the previous parts of this of this character arc of Galadriel characters arc of Halbrand of the, their story it made me enjoy more now in retrospect but okay. it has these problems in terms of the legendary that I'm how can they go on course now to go because they have to at some point return to what happens in the books because there is like an end point that they have to go for it which is the 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 battle the the war of the last alliance so okay i don't know interesting okay so i have one question about this because you talked an awful lot about the virtues of sauron are you in fact an evil mystic is that what you are the way you're defending Mm -hmm. sauron so much at the beginning of your little rant i suspect that you are an evil mystic no i'm not can i find a staff here to wave at oh. you and see if you turn into a moth before you disintegrate mm. away. It's not working, is it? Okay. No. So evidently um, you are um, not an evil be. mystic, but you sure had me convinced there for a second. Now, as far as the whole getting back in line with the legendarium, uh, that was kind of like a, a, a little bit of a, a reader rampage you had there, a double R. Yes. Uh, uh, also, uh, you brought up one of the things that we had in our wheel of topics. So 
Uh, what was your Gil Galad take here? It's so weird because, like, uh, I keep I, I go to forums sometimes to see what people are saying in the fandom, and obviously they are very divided. Uh, there are some that love the show, others that don't, or whatever. Uh, and I'm not talking about the haters. I, if you have a, like a rational rate. Uh, I hate about the show. I'm not considering this kind of criticism. I'm talking about people that watch and criticize. Yeah, just looking um, at the from strictly from a story element. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And one point, like that, the, they are very, I don't know, they are very strangely attached to their vision of Gil Galat. We don't know much about Gil Galat's personality. We don't know how he operated. We just know how he died in battle, basically, and that he um, was wise enough to recognize that Anata, the 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 form of that Sauron, um, walked through the elven the elven realms, no, that uh, he, they should not trust Anata, that they should not trust. So he was wise, but we don't know much. Uh, so they were like, oh, they're doing Gilgalad's dirty, blah, blah, blah. And I, I don't see that. Uh, I mean, the guy obviously has no chill. He's always like a little bit grumpy, but he's a king with like big responsibilities and he is like facing the possible extinction uh, of his race. And he's even concerned about Middle-earth because that's what his main concern is about, not leaving Middle-earth to Valinor because then they would be leaving the the the, the peoples of Middle-earth uh, open to the attacks of the of Sauron. No. So his concerns are legitimate. Like he he has he has good intentions. Obviously, he's a little bit more into politicking. He's not really straightforward, but like he's trying his best. This is like uh, I I don't see how is this doing the character dirty. He's a king. That's what kings do. They are trying their best, but not necessarily with their hands clean. You know, so I am okay. I just think that it's because his portrayal is so out of like um, joy. He's so he's such a sour person. Mm. Like in the, the the times we see them, that the people have these feelings. But I also have to say, um, the most negative reactions are from men from the. Um, no masculine side of the fandom. I hmm. think the first season was pretty much. Um, I mean, they they chose Galadriel as the the connecting character, and um, I, as a woman, I understood her frustrations pretty well in how to deal with like people that don't believe you, the people that think you're crazy. So it's something that we recognize. How, how they are perceived, both Gilgalad and Galadriel. For, to me, they were both like good characters. They were trying their best, but sometimes you don't get everything right. And what's the problem with it? Oh, because Gilgalad is supposed to be wise. He's supposed to know who Anatar is exactly. Uh, or And Galadriel, how cannot, how she cannot know that how brand is, is Sauron. Well, the story is explaining to you they are so desperate about mm -hmm. the state of their uh, of Middle-earth that they are like 
trying to uh, like convince themselves all the time that they are doing the right things and that like uh, it's going to work. This is like Iluvita's wheel. So it happens to the best of us, you know. So I don't know. I am. I'm not. I'm not unhappy with their portrayal. I think they could have imbued them with a little bit more joy here and there, but that's that's just it. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I think I think the lesson that we can take away, at least from JD Payne and uh, Patrick McKay's perspective, is elves have flaws too. Should we should we give the numpad prize? We've got some some prizes uh, for for the season, I suppose. Just one, I think. No. Okay, the Nampot Prize. Yeah, uh, best death of the season. Uh, do you have uh, any like any death that you want to mention before we give our prize? Uh, okay, uh, my uh, no, uh, runner-up will mm-hmm. be Galadriel drowning. Uh, well, she didn't this time die. in the vision in well in it, but it was a good simulated death in her vision <laughs> uh so I, I know it wasn't true it didn't happen that's why it's a runner-up and not my favorite okay okay um i think we should give this prize to the the trio of mystics you know yeah. they 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 looked menacing they looked good they look awesome they were powerful, but they were very confused. They were very confused people, you know. So they picked the wrong Dark Lord and they were sent to the Never Never Land by this Dark Lord that was not dark at all. And it was a good scene. I really liked their their fight. I think they they deserved a non-pot prize. Uh I I would I would have given to Sadot Burroughs, but I mean he had a really good death. Like in each he was he died happy. I think the mystics they died confused, mm-hmm. which is even funnier for me. But I, I um it's kind of a consolation prize for them. No, they wanted to serve Lord Sauron and they ended up becoming, I don't know, butterflies. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good choice. Uh, my not my full nomination goes to uh, someone who also chose the wrong horse, and that is Theo's friend and uh, um, Waldrick's friend, who went to serve Al- Rowan. Uh, uh, Rowan uh, that went to serve uh, uh, Adar, thinking that it was uh, uh, Sauron. You know, mm-hmm. thinking, yeah, this is going to be great, and then he ends up becoming the sacrificial lamb. Which is, proof. but we didn't. We didn't even see his death. He was off screen. Yes, uh, which is why Isildur is dead too. Which is another outside <laughs> looking in for me. Uh, Isildur is dead, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, mm. Rowan is definitely dead, ladies. Yeah. and gentlemen. he had to be sacrificed, or otherwise Waldrig would not have gotten to uh, turn the key last. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, that's the best death. Just the look on his face when he realized that he had chosen the wrong horse mm-hmm. right before he died, as Waldrick was coming at him, uh, or Waldrick was looking at him. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's for me is the best. Uh, that's the Nampat prize for me. This <laughs> we'll put it on a poll, folks. We have different ones. We'll let you vote uh, for who had the the best death. What's worse? Okay, I go first. Uh, what's worse, 
Having put your faith in a guy who wants to marry you but has been lying to you the entire time, or being a master artist who gets his knowledge shown up by a Smith apprentice. There is nothing worse than being someone who is reveled as one of the greatest artists in the world. I know uh -huh. this because I'm reveled as one of the greatest musicians in the world, of course. And then having some punk kid who just got out of music school at 22 years old uh, just play circles around your ass on the piano. It's awful. And one of the things that I have to remind myself is that I can make him even better by teaching him something. Uh, obviously, Celebrimbor did not even get that satisfaction because he was having to learn all of these things from Sauron in order to make these rings. Uh, otherwise, it would, never would have worked. I don't even know why Sauron wants them there. Uh, I guess just so he can, thinks that his one ring eventually will uh, have power over them too. But nonetheless, uh, I would just say, well, yeah, let him die. Just get rid of all of them. I don't have him as a foe anymore. Uh -huh. uh, but uh, so that made no sense to me. But here's Celebrimbor. He, and he's very open and receptive uh, to these ideas because he didn't think of them. Uh, but naturally, he's just thinking that it's going to make him look better uh, in the end, because nobody will remember the fact that Sauron told him how or gave him a gift. No. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, so uh, I just I just happen to know that being shown up by the new kid on the block uh, not only means your po possibly your job, uh, but also your reputation and your historical uh, importance, uh, uh -huh. because I'm sure that everybody in the world will remember me as the greatest musician that ever lived. Wow, you made all about yourself, right? <laughs> it doesn't Celebrimbor. Celebrimbor makes it all about himself. <laughs> okay, I have to argue the other side. <laughs> okay, I think, like, putting the faith in the guy who wants to marry you but has been lying to you the entire time is worse. Because, as we all know, marriage, the foundation of a good marriage is... Honesty is, you know, confidence. It's true. If the guy wants to marry you, but like he's not being entirely uh, honest with you about cer certain things, you can expect him not to be entirely honest with you with much, much more. So this is like opening the door for a life of disappointment. So therefore it's worse. Just being shown off by a, a, a kid in a piano match is just like a one-night thing. You, you, you forget about it. But, you know, having a relationship... Not when that kid goes on to become Jacob Collier. Okay. Yeah. But you're wrong. Anyway. <laughs> I think I might be wrong, but we will find out. I think that, uh, I think that you're... you're talking about marriage and all of that uh has no weight on me whatsoever because i've never been married mm -hmm. so uh once again i've made it all about me but we'll make it all about <laughs> you on twitter <laughs> we will make it all about you on twitter at bus blockbuster we'll put that up on the poll one more <laughs> question here priscilla i'm gonna ask you uh -huh. worse having your greatest enemy take the shape of your beloved brother to tempt you into an unholy alliance or living with the knowledge that you helped your enemy achieve each and every one of his heart's desires. I think it's like, it's a hard pill to swallow. You know 
that your enemy would be nowhere, would be no one without your assistance. No, knowing that you actually built up your enemy, that your enemy was all but defeated. You, your enemy was nothing, but you had compassion in the wrong time uh, for the wrong person, and you helped this person. So maybe without realizing you were helping, okay? Uh, but you built this person up just to be revealed as your enemy in the end. So this gotta hurt, like from both the point of view, like that you actually thought you were friends with this person. And also that when you realize that you were not friends with this person, that you actually the whole that you are the, the source of this person's fortune, good fortune. So this is bad, man. This is very bad. I think that that's a very excellent point, but I totally disagree. Of course. Uh, I think that you're completely wrong. And here's why. Picture yourself and picture the person that you most admire, the person who's most important to your life, even more than your husband or your children or anything like that, because oh you, think you think that they're dead when they're really not. Okay. okay. So you picture this person, how much I'm you picturing. look up to them, how much you admire them, how much they have guided you throughout your life and everything that you've done. And then you get a chance to see that person again, who you have not seen in a long time, hundreds mm -hmm. of years, for whatever reason, you know, either because you're immortal and they're gone or because you, uh, you know, you just lost touch. You, you, you lost their phone mm -hmm. number. You haven't texted in a long time, whatever. Mm -hmm. Suddenly that person comes back into your life and tells you that everything that you believed in, that you thought that they believed in, is wrong. It's mm -hmm. just wrong. Where have they been? Where where did they get this experience? And then you find out that it's not that person at all, but it's just me, the man behind the curtain, doing all of the talking for this guy. I mean, that's got to be worse, right? It's, it takes everything <laughs> that is your core being, and it just rips it apart. Wow. No? Okay. No. We'll put it on the poll. We'll put <laughs> it on the poll once again at Bus Blockbuster on Twitter. Oi, can we get the feedback out of the monitors, please? We've got lots of polls here. Uh, I don't remember who endorsed what. Uh, so... Oh, I think you won a lot. Did I win a lot? Well, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to know that either. I don't know when. I, I don't want to know when I won. I don't know when I lost. But I just re read the results as the impartial judge that I am. Losing no. your country to a bunch of orcs and an evil old man or being drafted as a child soldier by a very good looking but already married elf lady. Uh, Waldrig wins. Uh, that's a double oh. W. Uh, got 57.1% of the vote and the hot elf conscription only got 429 Your stubborn old father who won't help your friend's race or the fact that he's actually right not to dig that in that place. Balrogs are basically bad people. Uh, uh -huh. The fact that father is actually right. Uh, it won 71.4% to 28.6%. Causing your community's destruction due to inviting a stranger 
to tag along with you and your merry band that never go off trail uh or never walks along <laughs> or or what's worse traveling to find him with malva and sadak turns out malva didn't go on the trip uh but if we'd have thrown her in there definitely was, evidently uh -huh. traveling with sadak was enough because uh 75 percent <laughs> of the vote uh, went with traveling with sadak on that one uh what else was that the only three that we had the I shipper the oh, Eldin yeah. as a shipper name for during Aaron in this uh yes or no okay so uh what happened there was we decided to call Duran, Elrond, and Diza uh, a shipper name all three combined and we came up with Elroniza and we asked if that was appropriate or not on Twitter at bus blockbuster on Twitter it's almost like four out of six of you voted yes uh here's the way that I like to look at it even though this poll did not get a lot of results twice as many people said that that was a good name as said that was a bad name that's the way that I like to look at that. It doesn't yeah. matter what numbers you apply to it. This is the way that politicians get away with using statistics all the time. Uh, and so we will do no different here at this podcast. Twice as many people as said that they liked Elronisa as those who said they did not. That clearly means that we shall continue to say Elronisa if we ever get another scene with them again no matter how you look at it we want to hear what you guys thought of the entire season please tweet to at bust blockbuster on twitter you can send emails to matt's audio blog at gmail.com that's m-a-t-t-s audio blog at gmail.com you can leave comments on our website matt's audio blog.com m-a-t-t-s audio blog.com you can also leave comments on the double p media youtube please subscribe hit those like buttons make us look good for our boss bubba uh because he might fire me uh if if you don't uh, please okay uh, please leave comments please do all of those things subscribe to the podcast for certain they need they need more subscribers uh in order to again uh we need we need new furniture in bubba's third mansion that he has now built uh he, he needs he needs furniture so hit those likes watch those ads do all of that stuff uh but uh subscribe at youtube.com slash c slash the word double the letter P, the word media. Use that same spelling for their website, Double P Media. Also, find them on Twitter so that you can tell them how I divulge state secrets, just like Palantir, regarding the whole uh, business behind Bubba's massive enterprise that he has. Uh, you can uh, tweet to at the word double, the letters PHQ. You can also use that spelling at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash the word double, the letters PHQ. One of these days, I'm going to be able to say all of that without having to think about it. That wasn't the case today. Priscilla, regardless of what we're doing over here on the Double P, you have obviously are very rich on your own. You've probably got on your fourth yeah. or fifth mansion. Uh, you're looking mm -hmm. to furnish it, it's too. True. But yeah. in order to furnish it, you need people to come over to your channel and subscribe. Uh, what are, We'll put the link up on the TV right now mm -hmm. or on the video right now. But in order for people to subscribe, what can they look forward to? Now that Lord of the Rings is over, what else are you going to cover this year in regards to the, the shows or the books or whatever you're going to cover uh, for any kind of television? I have no idea. <laughs> there it is well, in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, there is the the spin-off, the Witcher spin-off, not coming with Michelle Yeoh, which I'm looking forward, but that's the only thing. 
Uh, I'm currently watching The Serpent Queen, which is a series of stars. I really recommend it. People should not sleep on it. If you want your doses of court, court intrigue, The Serpent Queen is a great series for you. But I'm not currently um, doing anything in the channel other than The Rings of Power. And now The Rings of Power is gone and is not going to uh, return for two years. I don't know. Uh, let's see if The Witcher series premieres, I think, in December, you know, the spin-off. Um, but, like, I don't know. Let's see. Okay. Well, uh, just be sure to get over there because when there's something good that's on TV, she'll be covering it probably so uh and she's always got great perspectives uh from outside source material knowledge and how it pertains to the show uh that we're watching as well priscilla thank you so much for being on with me this season for tolerating all of my craziness my sickness <laughs> whatever is whatever has caused obstacles our time difference which makes you have to stay up late at night uh, all of that stuff has been very much appreciated, folks. I'd love it if you go and subscribe to our channel right now, uh, if for no other reason alone, that in the waning hours of the night, uh, she has to listen to me talk. That's reason uh, enough to Matt, pay her very well. Thank you for the invitation. And thank you, Baba, uh, WP Media, and everybody for extending our fame no, to us like mere mortals of the internet i will never forget and but it, i had a great time uh sometimes i i was like too crazy in my thoughts but um yeah this happens you know and uh, i apologize if uh i spoke evil things as you uh you you accused me against Baba. I don't think I did, but you accused me one time. Yes, you so, better apologize yeah. for that. I'm apologizing. I'm apologizing. Yeah, but anyway, I thank you guys. It was amazing. Uh, I always liked uh, your podcasts, and it was a pleasure. All right. Thanks again to Priscilla. And we will be back sometime in the near future. I, I mean, Priscilla will be back in two years if she even cares to. Uh, to cover Lord of the Rings season two with me. Uh, until then, uh, maybe you'll hear from her in other places. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, I don't even know what I'm doing. I know that I've got to get through House of the Dragon. Uh, you can check out Before oh, yeah. the Dragon podcast uh, where I'm doing those over there. Or you can uh, check out uh, this December. I know that I'll be doing back here on the Double P uh, covering his dark materials with Holly. Uh, for their third and final season, which is the adaptation of the third book of that series. And other than that, we'll be back soon with a music podcast. Take care. Part of Double P Media, doublepmedia.com.